Welcome to Turtle Recall, the podcast where you reread the Tamora Pierce books and talk about them, and especially today, yell about them. Um, this is our final Dane episode. We're doing the last book in the Immortals Quartet, The Realm of the Gods, and this is our second episode about it. Um, and this is our featured Dane and Numera Screaming Time episode. So <laughs> let's do some quick introductions. Um, I'm Kelly. I'm hosting again today. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. And our extra special treat today is if we were a darking, what would our super fun characteristic be? I want mine to be that, like, I, like, only bounce. Like, I don't move normally. I just <gasps> hit the ground and just bounce. Aww, oh, cute. That's very so cute. I guess I'd be, like, bouncy instead of jelly or something. Oh, <laughs> a bouncy lass. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> hello, I'm Amy. My pronouns are she, her. And if I were a dark, a darking, I would be, I would have sort of like a human face, like there'd be three holes <laughs> on me, but the mouth hole would always be kind of gaping open, like it looks a little bit like I'm screaming. Oh no. Why? But it like in a cute way. Okay. Uh, so are you going for like a like forest spirit, like from Princess Mononoke, not forest spirit, but the little like yeah. Kodoma? From yeah, a little look? bit like that and a little bit like the proposed evolution of Ditto. Oh yeah. good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, cool um i'm grace my pronouns are she her and i would have like um like flowers like Aww. lots of flowers Aww. like you know really tacky resin jewelry from like the <laughs> 60s that has like pressed flowers in it like that that's the aesthetic oh, that i'm going for mm. yeah i was almost like i would have <laughs> Gross. It's almost like I would get human hair and be like morning jewelry. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Do yeah, that. I don't like it. <laughs> Knit yourself a sweater out of human hair to wear. Good Gross. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Gus. Um, my pronouns are they them. Uh, and uh, okay. So the first time Kelly mentioned this prompt uh i think she phrased it as like if you were a darking what would your accessory be or something and i misinterpreted that that as like would you like be dane's bracelet (laughs) (laughs) so i i would be i would want to like hook around an ear like around the back (gasps) of an ear so you can like tell things to the person (gasps) so that's it's diverging from the prompt a bit but I like no, it. No, it's good. It's also good. And it's also an identifying characteristic. Mm-hmm. So your it's name true. could be Ear Friend. Ear Friend. Yes. <laughs> yes. Good one. Earbud. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. We yes. did it. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so as promised on the last episode, a whole bulk of this episode is going to be devoted to us talking about Dana Numera's relationship in this book. Um, so we're about to head into that now. It's sort of social justice corner extended, but just for Dana Numer. We're also going to have music bookends on this section, I think. Like, we'll have a 15-second little musical thing, and there'll be another one of those at the end. You can find the timestamps for those in the episode description if you'd like to skip more effectively. Maybe if this is going to be a hard topic for you, just skip this episode. Or we promise to talk about some nice things at the very end, and we will... 
mark that time for you. Just skip to their friendship and ratings and fun stuff. Amy, are you comfortable doing this disclaimer? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk a lot about relationships with large age gaps. We are not criticizing real life age gap relationships or all age gap relationships, but we do feel the need to discuss this age gap relationship in a larger context of literature that is aimed towards young women, especially, um, and especially mid like sort of medieval fantasy-esque literature. Um, because this exists in a larger context, it is fiction, and it was specifically written, and its portrayal is something that we need to analyze. With that, I have um, I have um, a little song to bring us into this section, <laughs> which is Timorpheus, why, 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 why? <laughs> That's the song. Oh, it's really beautiful. Oh. Yeah, good song, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, does anybody have anything that they just like want to get out their chest? Just a little bit of screaming. <laughs> yeah, I hate, I hate this. I mean, like, it's obviously all tainted by the way that I feel about the relationship as a whole, but I did not like the way this relationship was written, like, even outside of any of any other aspect. So, like, when I'm yeah. being critical, that's not coming solely from some, like, hot button, oh, there's X amount of years in between them, so it's automatically wrong. Like, I also don't like the way that they treat each other i guess or the way that it is written or the way new mm-hmm. treats date i guess i don't really have a problem the other way gus do you have any screams that you want to get out at the very beginning uh there i mean i think the the issue that we haven't touched on yet although obviously there's a lot <laughs> but i feel like we should just bring this up early is that it's not just an age differential it's a like it's a it's a power differential mm-hmm. not in terms of like magical power because you could make the argument that Dane is extremely magically powerful mm-hmm. but but in terms of the fact that Numer is Dane's teacher yes. and also that they are traveling alone together and that they are each other's only companions on this like trip where they're very isolated um severely makes me unhappy right mm-hmm. because Dane has been really traumatized like she lost her family she like was driven away from the only place she could call home she has had to go through so much and like a lot of really difficult circumstances in a really short amount of time she only has one person that's been a real constant for her and several animals but one person and he is like her only guardian um you know and proceeds to take advantage of that situation which is and you can't really look at it as anything except taking advantage when there's that much of a difference Mm -hmm. in people's positioning Mm -hmm. yeah and like you brought up and like Gus you also brought up like even even in all these books even though she has very close animal friends there's no animal friend that's been constant throughout the book so really the only constant presence in every single book and in most of the places that she's been arguably she's been like isolated from him for short periods of time is Numer so Mm -hmm. and there's also something that Numer says that's sort of similar to what George says that's sort of like um, in Alana where 
he is positioning himself as like uh it is very difficult for me not mm. to be like not to take advantage of you in this situation and i'm trying really hard not that hard <laughs> yeah like clearly not that hard um and that's an like i know that we've already talked about that and talked about how a lot of people find that attitude in men to be like actually really great because there are a lot of men who like do take advantage of people in that situation and who don't really care whether or not they're doing it but in this context I find it so unsettling because it is again sort of putting responsibility on Dane to say yes or no um and not even that to like try to deny it and to like either way Numair comes out looking like a good person right yeah I think there's Related to that, um, there's a lot of focus on um, both Numair being like, this is a really like, like I could take, like, this is a situation where I don't want to take advantage of you and that could happen and then doing it anyways. Mm -hmm. And then also there's a lot of focus on Dane, um, like, being like, no, I know I want this. And in that sense, I think we're supposed to see it as her, like, exercising, like, her like her like power to like choose things which is we want people to be able to make their own choices and Mm -hmm. everything and so that comes across as something that's like maybe you know quote unquote like a good thing but that doesn't negate the fact that it's on new mayor to really like refuse that and that he like really like it's on him to make better choices than he made in this book definitely and you know, not to rob Dane of her agency because she does have ability to choose, but when we talk about people who are young, we're talking about people who have, like, really limited experience of the world and, you know, a lack of, like, situational lack of awareness of the choices that are available to them. And we're seeing Dane as someone with, like, a really limited and then really skewed experience that's, like, so focused on Numer as the person that she can rely on and care about. And I think that that's um, a situation that makes it really difficult to make choices, you know? And especially if Numer is saying, I want this from you, but I'm not going to take it because I'm a good guy, you know, it kind of forces her into this position to a certain extent where she can say, well, I, I care about you, so I'm going to give it to you because you want it for me and I can make you happy. And that's something that is just like not really a situation where you can make any choice that you want, you know? I also, one thing, I guess, Grace, one thing you talked about was that you didn't like just even outside of the other things that all of us don't appreciate about this relationship, you didn't like the way that it was written. And I guess... I'm wondering exactly what you meant, and I guess one thing that I didn't like about the way that it was written was sort of like the immediate turn their relationship mm-hmm. took, where, I mean, suddenly in this book, and arguably like time passes between the books, like they were already acting a lot more intimate with each other, sort of physically, but then like as soon as like Numer said that he was interested in her, like they were like very physically intimate a lot of the time. Right. And not even like more emotionally intimate necessarily i just like didn't understand how like that corner like turned so quickly it wasn't like super i don't know right i think that is part of what made me uncomfortable like it wasn't really written as a progression that was really natural in their relationship and part of that is part of why you know it's something uncomfortable to read because it would have been completely inappropriate for that to be 
any aspect of their relationship when Dane was 14. So why is it any more appropriate now in this next book? It's not. And that's why we had, I think, to take this sharp left turn into now suddenly Numer is noticing her body and she keeps ending up in these situations where she's naked in front of him. And that's how we're going to build the relationship. Like I would be, I think I would be fairly uncomfortable reading a book where those were the defining romantic elements, even if I was reading a book in which the protagonists were complete peers to each other. And Kelly, you were ta- we were talking earlier, and um, Kelly did bring up that a lot of people started sexualizing Dane specifically in this book when this relationship mm-hmm. was going to happen, um, and that's not that didn't feel great. Yeah, I think I think we touched on this a little bit in the last episode, although I can't remember. And I sort of mm-hmm. read that as like Tamara Pierce, like the same thing, like trying to prime us, like Dane is not a child anymore. Now she is like a person who is capable of having, like, a sexual relationship, and she's, like, preparing us for this, but... Mm -hmm. And the way we know that is through other people... Through other people's eyes. Looking at her. Yeah. 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 Through her being objectified and sexualized by other people. Right. Yes. Even though it is mentioned, as we brought up, that she's had, um, you know, she's had suitors, and she's, you know, (laughs) like, kissed... She's kissed people and stuff, that uh, she... That doesn't come up like she doesn't think about that before like we don't see any um any of her like considering that or thinking about that until like she's in the middle of things with Numair right and I would also say that like something that also troubles me uh related to that is that Numair is talking about like we've been aware of Numair as kind of like a uh, a Don Juan, I guess, uh, in the past, <laughs> like he has, uh, that just came to mind. I don't know. Um, like he um, has like conquests at the court, and we know about his exes, and we've seen Dane be kind of jealous um, or whatever. And maybe that was what we were supposed to be reading as the past. But then he references like, oh, people will think I'm doing this, or like will suspect badly of me, or see me as this bad guy because they know I've had these like all these trysts in the past and now I'm getting to you or whatever and like it doesn't seem like his moralizing of it is internal where he can see what how he's taking advantage of the relationship it's very much like I don't want people to think I'm a bad guy they already see me as a bit of a womanizer you know like it's not very critical (laughs) He does have he does have one line where he says it's very easy for like an older man, especially somebody who has a lot of experience in romance, to like convince somebody younger who has less experience that they're interested in you. So I feel like that's the one time where he really acknowledges like I have this wealth of life experience that you don't and that could make it easy for me to make you believe or to make uh, I'm having trouble phrasing it, but like to make you get in a relationship with me. And I thought that was like the truest or the closest this book came to acknowledging <laughs> potential flaws in this relationship. Yeah. And, but it, you know, it doesn't matter because Dane, oh, Dane's into him. So it's fine. Right. It's not yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Can I say something as someone who hadn't read this book before and like knew that this relationship was going to go this way because I've seen people talking about it, but didn't like know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please. Go for it. So I really liked the mentor-student relationship for, like, the first yeah. three books. Like, yeah. I really liked it. and it's solid. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And then this happened, and now I just feel like all of it is really, like, 
I don't think that I can like it anymore because I don't know at what point it becomes a difficult, like, sort of like a sexualizing a teen (laughs) relationship rather than a I want to teach this person what I know and I like and respect them thing. Um. Yeah, it makes me so sad because, like, I really, like... They were, like, a great pair of, like, friends and, like, mentor mentee, and they were really close to each other, and he was kind of, like, her found family, like, I mean, arguably through this book, although things change, but, like, it made me really sad to, like, see that turn this sharp corner here. Yeah. And I think that I was, like, again, I knew this was going to happen, but the it was a lot worse than I thought it would be, because I think there are ways that this could have like, there are ways where I could have been comfortable with this relationship. Like, if th- it happened when Dane was older or after Dane was, t- like, after Dane and Numer were off on wilderness adventures alone, mm-hmm. you know? Because right. I would say about that, I've seen people say, or I've talked to people who say, like, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. I mean, a bit of a spoiler, but they do show back up in later books. I'm sure you're not surprised. But Oh, yeah, um, they were in Cal. Uh, yeah, yeah, so they show back up and people are saying, well, I'm not as uncomfortable with that. And it's like, well, yeah, like, when you see them as adults who have, have had more more of their life experiences, then it doesn't make me as uncomfortable. And there's no reason it needed to come into these books. Like, even if uh, the author felt that they were totally destined for each other, just write that later. Like, there's... As, as far as it being later when they show up in the Kel books, Abby did the math and apparently the first Kel book happens a year after this book. So okay. well, maybe I don't feel I'm that sorry. strongly about that. Yeah, no, I we all thought that they happened that much, like, just, like, five years later or something. Yeah. I thought that they were, like, ten no. years later. I thought they were so much later when I read them in the Kel books. And I was like, oh, my favorite, Stayed in the American. No, yeah. it's, it's ten years after Alana. Like, no! Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we can deconstruct a little bit, too. I know we talked about this with Alana and George as well. But, like, part of why this is really hard to go back and reread is that, like, you don't have as much of a sense of, like, the intricacies of life phases when you're a kid. Because you're just, like, kid, non-kid. So even though you're like, wow, they're pretty different ages and it's kind of weird that... Or my experience was I was like, oh, it's kind of weird that he's her teacher. I was just like, well, they're both... They're both old so it's fine you know and I didn't maybe precisely pay attention to like oh Dane's 16 and Numer's 30 I was just like eh Dane's kind of young and Numer's kind of old you know yeah I really want to talk about this because I read these for the first time when I was maybe like uh in like fourth grade so I don't know how old that puts me like somewhere between eight and ten I think yeah and I thought this relationship was super romantic then because like you said they are both like indefinably older and like teens had romances and stuff like that yeah and even like up there when I was reading it in middle school I thought it was really romantic and I like read other books too with like this kind of age gap relationship and like teenagers falling in love with men and like their 30s who are their teachers and then having these relationships that were like portrayed as really beautiful and like so that really normalized like this sort of age gap and power gap relationship for me like when I was a young teen like these were my favorite books and now like looking back at it like it scares me so much to think that, like, if I were, fi- like, 15, like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want, like, 15-year-old me getting into a relationship with a 30-year-old. Like, I, like right in middle school, in the high school, sometimes I had crushes on my teachers, but it would have been horrible if, like, they had reciprocated, which is mm-hmm. basically what Numer does here. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and um, one thing that we should probably, like, 
Like, okay, we know that Numair is safe. Like, we yeah. know Numair is a good guy as a reader because mm-hmm. the narrative tells us so. And, like, but that's not, like, that's not something that you can just emulate. And, the like, there is a real problem in the real world with men in positions of power taking advantage of often young women, not always, um, but people who are in their power and making themselves the same kind of figure as Nubair is. And we should, like, it just worries me that so many, like, so much literature aimed at young women makes that easier. Right. (laughs) Right. And, like, yeah, not to get, like, overly personal, because I don't think we do this a lot on the podcast, but it's bad because there's no conversations, there's no communication, uh, except, like, that one line that we did touch on where they say like, this is an aspect of our relationship. And like my girlfriend is less than two years younger than me. And we've had very deliberate conversations about like, does this influence what you feel like you can tell me or communicate to me? You know, like Mm -hmm. how are, how do we approach that? We both know this, let's be uh, in the open about it. And like, that's what I feel like could make a more healthy relationship. And it just never happens in this book. It's never acknowledged, even though we're seeing the formation of their relationship and their dynamic. And I think this might be a good time to talk about, um, I don't remember who mentioned this earlier, but we talked about some people potentially making the argument that, like, Dane and Numera are in more similar life phases to each other because this was fantasy medieval times. So let's, mm. let's discuss. Huh. All right. So who has some points, who has some thoughts about what it means to be in fantasy medieval times and what those life stages look like in fantasy medieval times, a real time period? <laughs> you know, dragon time. Dragons. Oh, how right. I miss you. <laughs> I should have been born in dragon times. Uh, uh, well, that's that was my time period. <laughs> yeah, throwback. You could date anyone at any age, and it was basically the same. <laughs> well, I've seen people mention that, like um, Alana, maybe says that if she was, or Cal, I'm not sure. Like, if she was mm-hmm. not training, then she would be getting married, and like. So there's sort of, like, a reference to this, like, which, by the way, historically inaccurate um, mm-hmm. idea that women were married very young. Um, but at the same time, like, this is not something, even if we only focus on Tamara Pierce's works, like, she's not being, quote, unquote, historically accurate otherwise. <laughs> like, Alana has access to birth control because Tamara Pierce clearly feels that birth control is something women need. Well, actually, birth control is one of the first medications that you really find it historically. So it's not yeah. actually that far off that were this set in a real time period, That's Alana would have birth control. Like, it's one of the first things that people find. We just don't talk about it. Also, I want to clarify the comment about how it wasn't even like that in the olden times. It was like that only if you were wealthy and you had status. Otherwise, like, people just kind of married people their age generally mm-hmm. and like married when they were at least near adulthood so what we consider adulthood now i will say that category has changed over time but not like not that much right and also um also there's this thing called like 
I forget what it's called. It's the Tiffany problem or the Tiffany something, which is just that, like, if you talk about history in a way that goes beyond people's shallow interpretations of what actually happened and you say true facts about Tiffany or about Tiffany, (laughs) about Tiffany's throughout time. (laughs) Oh, my God, I need to leave. But if you say like Tiffany was a name in what, 15th century Europe? But people conceive of it as a modern name. Victorian people apparently had nipple rings pretty commonly. Uh, can I say that on the podcast? Also, I didn't fact check it, so it might be fake. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't want the teens to get their nipples pierced without asking their parents because of me. <laughs> okay. You did make it sound so cool when you briefly mentioned historical <laughs> nipple rings. I have to leave. Anyway, so there are a lot of things that are historically accurate that people don't think are historically accurate. There are a lot of things that aren't historically accurate that people do think are historically accurate. In general, arguing for historical accuracy in a book is used as a tactic to get people to stop critiquing something that happens in a book. Hmm. Well put. And I also think that, like, as we mentioned earlier, like, Regardless of whether something's historically accurate, like when you're reading it as a child or a young adult, you might not understand that the sorts of things that might happen historically wouldn't just translate straight into your real life. So you might not think like, it's okay for this person to be in a relationship while they're younger, because that meant something different then. Mm-hmm. Good point. Right. And I mean, it's worth pointing out that since Dane, the main character of this book, is a teen girl, and these books are, you know, mostly geared at teen girls. Dane is both a relatable and aspirational figure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, you're supposed to both relate to her and want to be like her, because she's so, you know, cool and rad. Mm -hmm. She's so rad. So rad. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there's a level of, like, identification that happens Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, just makes it very easy to, I guess... Like, feel like, you know, the things that she does are, you know, all, like, cool and good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, Kelly, you were kind of talking about this earlier, but it just is so, like, sad to think about myself as a child reading this book, mm-hmm. my friends as children's read as children's, as children <laughs> reading these books. Um, like, it's really hard because like we've talked about so much but this is like really where it comes to a head for me like I loved these books like I they were like a real touchstone for me like the Dane books Tomorrow Pierce books in general I loved them and for them to be like so at least for me like almost like beyond repair spoiled by this one choice um of portrayal like at least not spoiled like I wouldn't read them again but like I like we've talked a lot about like this is would be fine if you discussed it enough no matter Mm -hmm. what I wouldn't read these to my daughter like I wouldn't give them to her to read I would maybe somehow cut some pages out or something (laughs) but like not not sharpie be like yeah it's weird there's a lot of cliffhangers in the third book weird that there's not a fourth like um, strange (laughs) but I just they really are like it's kind of like sad and also like I don't know, I was talking to another uh, friend who was saying, too, that these were, like, a favorite of hers, and she feels really sad looking back, and I think that, I don't know if that's, like, universally shared, but it is shared by a lot of people I know who, like, were really Mm -hmm. 
attached to these books as kids. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I've just been wondering is, like, if... And I still don't know if we should include this. If we're... If, like, Tamora Pierce... This is all real intent. I know we didn't want to say too much about, like, what Tamora Pierce mm. intended here. But I wonder if she put this relationship in because she felt like every quartet, like, needs a romance. Like, Dane needs her romance, too. And what... And, like, Numera is, like, the main male character option. And also what that says about, like, giving... Like, considering Dane's... Like, all these characters are aspirational characters and, like, different models of womanhood mm-hmm. for young girls. Like, what options that gives people who aren't interested in romance. Or, like, how it just lets you envision a future anywhere where maybe the romance isn't the main central part of your story. Yeah, I like that. I think we should say that. Um, just, like this would have been perfectly fine without a love story. It would have been a far better book. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but Dane's story can't end until someone proposes marriage to her. Yeah. Oh my god, why were they even talking? You've been dating for like six minutes. (laughs) They haven't been dating at all yet! He's like, maybe you're married. I was like, try dating first! I mean, don't, but like, also, if you're gonna do that, then do, like, wait a, a hot second! Yeah. yeah, like, cool your jets. <laughs> cool your jets. For uh, real, by the way. I have one thing, I guess I have one thing left to say about Dana Numer's relationship, which is there's one part of their romantic relationship in this book that I actually do like. It is a single line. Um, it is at the end when Dana Numer reunite, and he's like, hey, you should marry me, and she's like, nah. And then he says a couple more times, and finally he's like, I think I'll give up being a wizard, and I'll take up juggling, and, you know, I could support us with juggling, with my juggling money. Isolated from the rest of the text, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cute. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's the one, that's the one bit that I still found a bit charming on this rereading. I was like, oh, you're juggling money, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and if they were just friends and he wanted to support them with juggling money, I would be into it. It would, I would also find that very charming. Wait, wait, wait. Two best friends juggling to live. <laughs> just a really good, just, wait, I genuinely want that so much. Just like a weird family relationship, but it's just two people and one of them juggles to live and they both have very powerful magic. Yeah. I just, I feel like, yeah, there's so many things. Like, I don't think, um, I don't think they need support. So I found it even more charming for that reason. Like, I think she's got it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but that True. was very thoughtful of you. Yeah. I also wanted to briefly say, uh, we've talked about this on our um, Mercedes Lackey episode, Valdemar Recall. But uh, I think that a book that is an example of this situation done slightly more right is the second book in the... I think it's the Queen's Arrows trilogy by Mercedes mm-hmm. Lackey, where there's a relationship between uh, someone who's kind of a mentor and someone who's kind of a mentee, and they have a bit of an age difference, and they're on a journey together, but they, like, talk so much about it, and, like, who they are to each other as people, and, like, whether or not, uh, like, Talia, the character there, has, like, a lot more agency, and it's it's better. So if you want to see this done better... I, I would recommend that book, and I would also like to hold it up as an example of, like, some ways that this can be improved. Um, you know, agency, communication, conversations. I'm not going to call out the specific person who I was having this conversation with, and they're not on the podcast, and they don't listen to the podcast, but I did talk to somebody who was saying that um, she finds the 
choices around this not offensive because they're pulling from the romance genre. Uh, there's a reason that genre isn't for children. So this is a very specific call out for someone that will never reach them. But if you're also thinking that, you're wrong. It's much more problematic when the audience for this is like young adults, young teenagers. Right. And they're not able to bring that sort of context that you need to think about how this might translate into the real world well or not. Right. Because I think we've touched on this a little bit before, too, but like young adults are kind of inherently an uncritical audience, which is really great in some ways because they can like learn new ideas and not be prejudiced in the same way that past generations have been and stuff like that. But it's really hard in other ways because books that you write for them are going into uh, like an audience that doesn't have the life experience to perceive why it would be really difficult to um, like make balanced choices in this kind of relationship or something like that. I think we did a good job being calm. (laughs) Yes, again, this is largely because we're all kind of tired, so... Shout out to 7 p.m. at night and the rain that's outside to keeping us just a little more chill than we could have been. S.O. rain. I know, we promised a lot of shouting and we didn't really shout that much. Um, But that's probably more sonically pleasing for our listeners. (laughs) Yes, I'm glad that we all used our NPR smooth radio announcer voices for this entire segment. Hello, Kelly, bringing you shouting hour. (laughs) Hello, Kelly. I'm Amy and I'll be here to shout... (laughs) (laughs) never fear listeners we do have rage in our hearts the the fire of rage in our hearts it has not dimmed uh Mm. but it has been filtered a bit by um wanting to sound reasonable and stuff (laughs) okay well let's move into um pierce the veil the section where we revive the dead author we're going to talk about some tomorrow pierce authorial intent um although we're not going to delve too deeply into potentially her intent in writing this relationship. Right. Um, who would like to start? Um, t- quick, quick aside. Did any mm. of us find anything? I didn't, but I have some things to discuss about things that I think Tamara Pierce might have been doing. Yeah. So, and the first one is Bird King Still. There's so many birds, just so many birds in this book. Stormwing Bird Man. Dane is like a bird when she's chasing him. Mmm, Tamara Pierce and birds! That's all I have to say. (laughs) Um, Oh, man. The other one was, I found this book in particular, and I talked to Amy a little bit about this when we were both reading it. I felt like I got a very distinct, like, sort of anti-war undertone in this book, which I hadn't been getting from the other Tamara Pierce books, which, I mean, they all have a lot of war in them, and, like, being good at war and being tactical is important, but in this book in particular, like, her descriptions of violence got very graphic. Like, I think either Grace or Gus, one of you said there was, like, a whole Mm. bunch of body horror. Yeah. And I felt like that, along with, like, what she said about why storm rings were created and how, like, all Dane's friends and the whole realm was suffering because of the war sort of combined to give me a new, maybe Tamara Pierce was trying to say something anti-war in this book feeling. Yeah, just as a reminder, Stormwings were created as a dream from a pers- uh, from a survivor of war who saw all of the carnage and wanted something to make war less of a desirable thing. 
Um, so Stormwings are, were created to desecrate bodies of victims of war, um, which sort of a roundabout way to do it. Um, <laughs> Just a small critique. Yeah, like there are probably better ways. Yeah, I'm actually interested in that reading because there's still very much a like, there's still very much sort of this concept of war is bad, so Tordal specifically has to stop it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with by doing fighting, perhaps with an army, even like a war. Which will resemble war. <laughs> Quite ideologically distinct, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's true. I think it's weird because Dane is, uh, like, not a warrior in the way that mm-hmm. protagonists are warriors in the Alana books or the Kel books or other books. But, you know, um, she's not a warrior, so she's not in a war, but she does deal with war a lot. But it's true that this book is a lot, has more of a negative tone towards war. And we'll have to maybe, like, keep watching for that in the Kell books and see if there's, like, a genuine, maybe, like, critique or pulling back after writing about Alana uh, in such, like, a tactical way previously. Um, I have a completely unrelated and much less serious uh, <laughs> veil that I would like to pierce. Yes. Um, so, Kelly... Early yes. in this, in the recording of this, you revealed some Tamara Pierce facts, one of which is that she's from your town in California, but all of her characters hate the cold, even when they're from cold areas. <laughs> and I think that's because Tamara Pierce is unused to the cold. And because I feel like everyone I've talked to from the Midwest is yeah. always like, oh, this isn't cold at all. I've never felt cold in my life. I've been buried <laughs> under six feet of snow since birth. Whereas everyone in these books is like, I'm so afraid of the cold and I hate it and I don't want to be around it, but it keeps being cold all the time. And I'm from the mountains. I don't want to be cold anymore. I was in the mountains. California. Yes, tomorrow appears. California pride. It's a cold, mild temperatures, mild temperatures. I'm so excited. Yeah, I mean, Gus and I are from Minnesota. Um, and I, like, literally don't understand, like, why you would be that uncomfortable in the cold. No. <laughs> like, I can't. It, it's fine. You just go Listen. and you're fine. I will contextualize tomorrow appears for you because same town, right? Okay, so the coldest it gets in the winter is occasionally it freezes a little bit overnight. You might come out in the morning and like the puddles are a little bit frosty, but then that melts by the middle of the day. So like the coldest you're looking at is pretty much like maybe forty five during the winter, but mostly like fifty and sixty. Oh my god, yeah. how do you stand it? Yeah, that yeah. sounds bad, uh, frankly. And I'm not even from the Midwest. Uh, I just that incredible. Yeah, I'm not trying to do the terrible thing where people are like, that's not cold. You've never seen cold, because that's the same point you're making. But like, yeah, it gets much colder here, and you're still fine. It's okay. I get to do that now, because I moved to the East Coast, and I've experienced temperatures that are a bit colder. And I go back, and my younger brother is like, it's 60 degrees out, he's wearing, he's wearing his barbus jacket. I'm like, you don't understand your child. <laughs> so, I appreciate this. This is good. You yeah. made me happy. I also just realized that I tried to make it entertaining that we're talking about the weather on our podcast. <laughs> oh my god. I, a deeply wow. Midwestern sentiment. I just talk about the weather all day. Amy is one of us now. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. 
I will be by the time this episode airs. Okay. And I will be a California girl again by the time this episode airs, although I always This is our last roommate's pod. Goodbye. Oh my god. Think of me. Think of me fondly when you say goodbye. (laughs) Gus is writing your time code right now. (laughs) We we grasped hands while we sang that to each other. Which our listeners will not be able to tell, but it's important to know. I'm it sorry. Was disgustingly cute. It was very cute. It was heartwarming. Anyway, what were what were we talking about? Was that a veil? We should have saved that for friendship moments. Oh, we should have. Well, well, I guess we should have saved our unplanned emotional outburst. Can <laughs> <laughs> we just slice and dice them? Um, do we have more veil piercing to do? I don't. Um, Mm-mm. Yeah, I know we've occasionally, maybe we should say, like, we're deliberately not talking about, like, shame the kink type stuff because we we think it's important to have a more grounded discussion, except for birds. (laughs) We wanted to have, like, a more grounded and critical discussion. Then should we move into a much happier topic? We're waiting to get here. Kareen's Riders Friendship Moments Time. Friendship Time. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun. I Actually, we did have great timing for our friendship moment then. Yeah, it's right yeah, before friendship job. moments. It's a perfect segue. I thought that this whole book was like a friendship moments, like nostalgia tour for like Tamora Pierce. She was like, oh, remember all these friends Dane had before that yeah. you forgot about? Well, I didn't forget about them. Except you sort of did. <laughs> okay. So I read the first book and I thought to myself, Onoa is here and I love her. Yeah, I didn't and want to break that one to you. but Yeah, yeah like, yeah. I'm okay with the fact that I thought that Onoa was going to come back the whole time. And honestly, Onoa was in here for a pro- total of 10 seconds and all of them were great. <laughs> her first part was she was in the bathtub. She felt all that magic from breaking the barriers. And then she jumped out of the bathtub doing a war yell. And I love her. Yeah, I love her. I love her. her. I love Onwa very much, and if she doesn't come back after this, I'm just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, like, I don't know, find some Onwa-themed fanfic, which there's probably going to be one exactly. <laughs> oh my god, please don't. I feel like that's going to go badly. Oh no, you <laughs> right. No, somebody's got to have written some just, like, good, like, good genfic, good friendship fic. Yeah. About our favorite horse person our favorite i love her our favorite oslo maybe that can be a, a patreon uh, bonus amy <laughs> so i feel like i feel like yeah the same thing where like i, was, I thought i i didn't mean to say that uncritically like it bothered me because that reminded me of things that like i felt like she's been doing in the other books where she introduces all these cool characters yeah. and she's like okay new friends for dating in this next book i'll just make up new friends remember evan he was there yeah, and then she's just like, you guys are so into New Mare, right? Because I'm so into New Mare. You want three more books about him? Good, me too. Oh, wait, is that what, Temp- is that what Tempest and Slaughter? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's New Mare. Backstory. Oh, okay. But it was, it was also kind of nice. Like, I, I was happy to see Takah again, even though it was yeah. so brief, too brief. I missed him. I thought he would be around more. I love Takah. Yeah, yeah, I misremembered, and I, like, thought he came to the Dragon Realms with them, and he didn't, and I was sad that I misremembered yeah, that. Yeah, Kitten wasn't in this book. Yeah, come yeah. on. They went to the place where the dragons live, and Kitten wasn't in this book. That's her daughter. Yeah. That's her daughter. That's her child. She didn't even bring her, and there's no good reason she's not there. Like, no, there isn't. <laughs> well, they didn't bring her to the things that take skin 
So I guess that's like, that's the reason within the narrative. Yeah. But outside of the narrative, there's no reason to not put your your dragon daughter in every page. Right. <laughs> I, um, speaking of friendship, wasn't the friendship, like, between the little darkings so cute and, like, so almost cute. Cute. cry. Like, uh... I'm deeply moved. And they were, like, such good, like, little familiars for, like, Dane and Numeria, like, traveling on their shoulders and being their friends. <laughs> yeah, and like they loved each other. The little darkings loved each other so much, and they were so excited to like help each other become free. Ugh, mm-hmm. Love it. The darkings. Mm-hmm. And they're so small and stretchy. Yeah. And one of them's very wiggly, and the other one's a leaf head. Has a leaf hat. Leaf love hat. That. Leaf hat. They all. Yeah, they all absorb Dane's blood and learn speech. <laughs> I also really like in this book in particular I thought there were some really like beautiful like Dane has a found family moments like yeah. especially at the beginning when she's like with her mom and her dad and I think she disagrees with them about something maybe it's that they don't want her to go back and she's like well I, I need to go back and like then the badger and like new mayor support her and I was like that's so mm-hmm. nice like yeah, you can have a support system like people that you're really close with and it doesn't need to be your biological family yeah, sometimes a family is a mom who turned into a goddess, a dad who was already a god, a second dad who's a badger, a, a third dad who's a god slash fantasy platypus, and also your weird teacher who just kind of came along. <laughs> oh, and three very small stretchy friends. Um, okay, wait, I want to just like do an Amy's fan theories update. The badger mm. wasn't Dane's dad. But in a truer, realer sense, the badger was Dane's dad. It's true. <laughs> yeah, all along the dad, all the real dad, all along the was dadger. the badgers you met along the way. The badger. Oh. The badger. <laughs> oh. And also, I forgot that the badger was just a regular badger size, and that I didn't realize that until this book. So, like, no, he's slightly larger than a normal badger. She has a very small dad. Can we talk about can we talk about Rikash for yes. a little while? Um, it's friendship time. So yeah, the moment when Dane realizes that they're friends and she's like, "No, well, oh, one of the moments, one of the many moments, the most yeah, important many moments where she's like, oh, the Stormwing is my friend,' and you're like, "Yes, I'm so glad that you're friends with Rikash Moonsword, the Stormwing with the best last name, who like." <laughs> Is such a good friend, and then he died. That was so unnecessary. I forgot it broke my heart. I am so sad. I'm permanently sad. Yeah. Why? Uh, Why did it have to happen? The horrors of war? I don't know. Because they needed a casualty and all of the main characters were too important? He asked if she had been staying in touch with Mara of Dunleth because he and Mara of Dunleth are friends. (laughs) They're best friends. Oh my gosh, when's Mara gonna find out? Oh, oh my no. god, why would you say that? Amy. No, I'm sadder. Amy. Who's gonna tell her? More sad. No. I'm sorry, that's a problem that I have, is I do make everything more sad. Um, <laughs> um, I'm very upset now. Yeah, same. Yeah, we're doing a bad job with the lighthearted friendship moments. We've gotta get this, um, we've gotta get ourselves pepped up. Ooh, ooh, I got. I got one, I got one. Okay, so my favorite... Not my favorite, but a friendship moment that I appreciated was that um, Tamora Pierce kept needing to bring up, like, Evan Lars in this, who was, like, mm-hmm. Dane's friend from the writers, but she also had a female friend in the writers who Tamora Pierce seems to have forgotten completely. <laughs> yeah, where's Miri? 
Yeah. Like, isn't she not mentioned at all no. in this one? Yeah. She's like, Dave had a friend in the writers, her friend Evan. And I was like, well, also her other friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not lighthearted, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, at least she didn't. Die. Maybe she died. I don't know. Kelly, okay. that's well, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> that's not good, is the thing. Okay, happy, happy. Cloud comes back. Cloud comes Cloud back. Comes back. Cloud comes back and is grouchy. Yeah. After hiatus, Cloud is back. Yeah, and at one point we meet new friends, and I want to know if they come back because I do love them. His name is Lord Imra, but he also has a has a like a lady i don't know whether that's a title or like a weird way to say like that she's like a paramour of some kind but it's she's her name's marielle and i love her she's very small she has very short hair she's wearing leather and she has a spyglass and just like uses her spyglass to look at the troops and i don't know anything else about her but i do love her <laughs> is she is she gonna come back? I need to know. I don't remember her coming back. I don't remember either. <gasps> so I'm sorry, but I mean, like, it is nice though that we just get to see like all these like badass women just doing their thing yeah. in their places, like with their people. They're just out there, you know. It's not just a few of them. Right. It's like so many women just out there being awesome. Which is nothing great. gold can stay. Because that's yeah. true of the world, you know? Yeah. There'll be more. There'll be more characters. Okay. Love. I'm just, like, really excited for a recurring character who stays in the narrative the whole time for me to just <laughs> love them. Like, Fayette wasn't around as much as I needed her to be emotionally. Although I do love that she was carrying around the Dominion Jewel and her general attitude towards it was like, John, why did you give me this? I know. Yeah. I, wrote, like, I wrote, like, the same thing as, like, the, like, hor- like once again, like, patriarchal cliche, but, like, oh, my husband forgot his lunch at home and I have to send it to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And I love her, I don't know, that she has been, like, so welcoming of Dane that Dane really, like, thinks of her as family and is so happy to be reunited mm. and be able to mm-hmm. help Tortal. And, you know, I think that, like, a big part of why she's, like, committed to coming back is that she's got such good friends like that. And that's nice. We're moving into um, our character building section, which we still don't have a name for. Us. Uh, uh, we're still not sure this is the permanent name. Temporary name is still She Couldn't Be a Hero. Could she? In all capital letters. <laughs> so if you have something better than that, we're willing to workshop. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one, I do want to say, just because we used that name... Did we already talk about how, like, her mom can't be a god, can she? Could she? (laughs) We did talk about it in that we think that it's funny that Mm -hmm. Dane keeps thinking that people can't be gods when, like, 80% of the people she knows are gods. Yeah. (laughs) I do really like seeing the way that Dane, like, sort of changes as a daughter rather than just, like, as a person alone um, in Mm -hmm. the context of her family. Like... She has this really interesting conversation with her mom after, and it's, like, important that it takes place after her mom's death, because she's saying, like, I'm this rad because you taught me to be this rad. Mm -hmm. And her mom's like, I didn't teach you to be rad at all. I wanted you to be safe, not rad. (laughs) And Dane was kind of like, well, you taught me that when you 
died. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I just found that really interesting. And then she also has these interactions with her actual father that are such like real life child father interactions because he'll just be like talking about something and Dane will be like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. just, you do what you're doing. I thought it was interesting, like, how quickly she, like, seemed to accept him as her father and, like, treat him as such. Pretty much instantly, which, I mean, I guess... She's had a while to get used to the idea. Yeah. But she hasn't hasn't met him. Like, I feel like even if you were meeting your father under normal circumstances and he wasn't a god, like, I feel like there'd be some awkwardness. And maybe that's just, like, Tamora Pierce had other things she wanted to deal with in this book that weren't that relationship, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked uh, Dane's interaction with her family, and as I liked to, um, you know, I feel like we've kind of gotten a, a sense of, is her mom's name Sarah? Uh, we've yeah. kind of gotten a sense of her from Dane's recollections, but to uh, see how she's different as mm-hmm. this, like, goddess figure was pretty cool, especially when Dane is thinking, like, oh, but her mom was absent-minded or whatever, and seeing kind of maybe the idea is that when you're a goddess, then you're good qualities are magnified or something but i also think maybe you know the idea that there's potential in anyone to be able to have that power and use it for uh, Mm -hmm. nurturing others i think is really nice Mm -hmm. i also wonder how much like this is just sort of conjecture but how much being absent-minded and like getting into trouble really matters when you're in the realm of the gods where uh, you can hunt things and do not worry about the fact that they died because it's just teleportation yeah um (laughs) Another um, new character that um, I really liked and had kind of forgotten about was, uh, I don't remember how we remember, decided to pronounce his name in the last episode, but Ganel? Ganel? Uh, Ganel. The, um, the dream god. Um, I was so into him, especially yeah, really the way like that him. when he's like done with a conversation, he just gets up and disappears. <laughs> okay. He's such a mood. <laughs> like... I want, like, that's what the kind of energy I want to have. Yeah. Is I just, I can just leave. My eyes are like bottomless black pits. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love him. I love him. <laughs> He's just doing his own thing. Yeah. He really is. He doesn't talk to people unless you're asleep, which like, I guess, relatable. That's how I wish I could live my life. Uh, yeah, it's nice that he sends Rat Tail to uh, Dane in her dream. That's like a nice, I think that. It's cool to think about someone who, like, makes dreams, but also tries to, like, create them so that you're amenable to them and stuff like that. That's a cool character building thing. Yeah. Kind of, um, considerate, unlike every other god, basically. (laughs) Yeah, it is weird to think about when we get into future books where we don't interact as much with the gods. Like, this is still all going on, technically. Like, it's part of the canon. (laughs) One other character building thing that I thought was interesting in these books was sort of Oz... Oh, gosh. Ozorn's evolution in this book, which I felt was definitely towards, like, a very typical, pretty one-dimensional villain. Like, I want revenge on these people, and I want to be king of the world. Like, I felt like before he had, like, all these sort of... He was sort of enigmatic and had all these complexes, and here it was just like, I believe that I'm the best, I'm the best, I want to be king of the world, I hate you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a character debuilding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But maybe that's supposed to, we're supposed to read that also to be as like part of his Stormwing transformation, being like well, less human, even though we're also supposed to be learning that we were wrong to judge Stormwings <laughs> as inhuman. 
I don't think we're supposed to read it as, like, he's less human, but I think maybe we're supposed to read it as, like, he has lost a lot of what gave him his, like, power and his self-esteem that he was used to having, mm-hmm. and he's had to, um, like, he's he's gained new power, but he's had to be really, like, ruthless about it and really, like, singularly focused about it in a way that he maybe he he maybe didn't have to be or he had to have like he doesn't he no longer has to have the like court persona mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. he doesn't have to get people to think well of him yes yeah. and he's also been unseated from a place where he had unlimited privilege and mm-hmm. where he had also like as you said unlimited power basically he could do anything and now he is in this place where he is only like he's really only just learned how to use stormwing magic again and how to like yield anything near the resources that he had before so i can see the his actions being an act of desperation at this point now mm-hmm. yeah um rather than like the kind of like actual um, sort of the actual motivation and like sort of intricate um, intricate what's the word um, like it was a lot more intricate and nuanced before mm-hmm. because he had time and energy for that yeah in my reading yeah I think and in 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 his first chapter in this I don't remember if it's the first chapter or like the second but we like see him trying to get people to do things for him and we see some of them like refusing and like threatening him yeah Mm -hmm. so i think that supports that do we have any more character building stuff that we want to do i'm okay then let us transition into knight vision um where we talk about foreshadowing and speculation and today we're all going here amy included because i think we mostly have some speculation and amy has some speculation to speculate hey guys (laughs) Amy here, popping in with a question that we've asked before, probably will ask again. I'm going to ask it maybe every day of my life, like I have since I started reading uh, In the Hand of the Goddess. What's up with Faithful? What's his deal? <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expound upon that because I, rem- I think I vaguely remembered that Faithful was in these books, but I don't remember what happens with him after this. But he was like... I interpret him before in Alana as, like, maybe, like, the mother goddess is, like, familiar. Like, she made him and sent him down. But in these books, he was, like, sitting on his, like, own little fancy throne. And then she was, like, move. Like, he seemed fancier than just that. Yeah, also, you told me that Faithful doesn't come back, Kelly. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe he's an anamorph. (laughs) Yeah, at least Gus isn't lying to me. (laughs) I like the idea that... Um, he's the cat god and he just has more power than any of the other animal gods because cats are the best animal. But what about Queen Claw? Well, Queen Claw, maybe she has an equivalent amount of power to him and just doesn't care because she's a cat. It's Faithful's... Like, who is Faithful? Like, what? what's what's up with Faithful? Because... <laughs> Amy, legitimately, I do not know. Yeah, I also legitimately don't know. So we're just gonna we're just gonna be like faithfuls up here. Don't worry about it. Just think about the world snake, everybody. That's what it's gonna be. All I can say is read on. Wait. Yeah, Kelly, you did lie. <laughs> <laughs> I may have lied accidentally. My memory for books after Dane is significantly less good than my memory for books up until and through Dane. Is this just like a meme? Is this a total <laughs> meme? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, we've made Amy leave, and we uh, <laughs> are now acknowledging that, yes, Faithful is later in the Becca Cooper books, and I don't personally remember how that enriches our understanding of who or what Faithful is, uh, but maybe we'll get to that um, later if it exists, and you don't need to tell us now because we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, but for right now, we're not going to tell Amy that. Do we have any other foreshadowing that we want to get out of the way if there's anything while Amy has her ears plugged and is standing in the corner? Um, <laughs> poor Amy. <laughs> Bring her back. Okay, Amy, come on back. Okay, cool. <laughs> Amy, Amy's coming back. I hope that the microphone didn't catch the sounds of my dancing next to your door. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of dancing going on too. Because <laughs> I wanted to keep turning around to make sure that you weren't calling me, but I was like making oh, noise yeah, yeah, in my yeah, ears no so that yeah. I couldn't hear you. No worries. Um, the one, the one foreshadowing question that I have, and it's open to Amy as well, is there's a new character introduced in this book who like seemed pretty sinister, but then he just went away. It was that mage that, um, that new mare battle. Oh, yeah. And then he just threw his like ruby eye in the river. And I was like, doesn't it seem like, like, this seems like some sort of foreshadowing. Like, is he secretly going to evilly like respawn from his ruby eye? Like, I don't know. I don't remember this at all. And I don't think that it actually happens at all. But he seemed just like a weird character to bring in and then throw away without really using. Right, that's uh, Inar Hayden's role, Yeah, right? that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's such a good yeah, memory for fantasy names, guys. I'm really impressed. <laughs> no, I'd, this is 100% because I had to look up his last name <laughs> oh, on right. Friday in our last episode. Also, yeah, also I listened to uh, part of this book on audio. Ah, nice. so got the audio in my head good uh yeah yeah he does seem sinister and i i don't know maybe he's still operating somewhere right now (laughs) under our very noses he's under my bed (laughs) what (laughs) no 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 that was back in dragon times a really a real historical period dragon times okay don't worry about it he's long dead yeah Yeah. because dragon times was so long ago but real yeah (laughs) He was a real foe in Dragon Times, like, when I was reading about that in history class, you know, mm-hmm. I learned all Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Did you ever take a Dragon a Dragon Times literature class? Because... I just took A push. <laughs> Not A-P-D-T. <laughs> okay. This is a really good joke, and I think we got a lot of mileage out of it. Great job, everybody. Um, cool. Uh, I think we're done with speculation, unless any of you all have more speculation to speculate. Yeah, my speculation is all just like, what is up with Faithful? Anyway. We are now entering the Chamber of the Ordeal. It is rating time. It will be an ordeal. Um, we are going to rate the books on nostalgia, animal friendship, and who we would recommend the books to. <sighs> <laughs> Accurate. Um, yeah. Ten size out of ten. Thanks. Does anybody feel compelled to rate this first? Well, I wanted to say maybe, do any of us have any answer to who we would recommend this to other than possibly nobody? Uh, uh, adult trash. romance fans who are into, are into age gaps. I, yeah. would, I would recommend, I would honestly, I guess I'll go first. I would honestly recommend this to adults probably starting around people who are like in the later half of college age so probably people over 20 
Because I honestly think there are a lot of things about this book that are good and a good conclusion to the Dane series. But I think that the romance needs context that you can only get. Or not to say that you can only get, but that you're much more equipped to have when you're a bit older. So I would not, I could not and would not recommend this to young adult readers. I don't think there's any amount of discussion, like we said earlier, that would be enough discussion. Um, but I really think that there are really good things about this book. I love the dragons. I think, like we said, like the concept is super cool. Her going to the realm of the gods and like the change in genre is super cool. Yeah. There are a lot of things to love about it, but I think you need to be able to read it with a more critical eye than you would if you were younger. I agree. And my ratings. Nostalgia. Oh, so difficult. Like, like I said, this is my favorite book, and it was really hard to read this time because of that romance, which is what it is. But on the other hand, like, I forgot how much I love the dragons. <laughs> so I feel like nostalgia is probably, like, a, like, 6.5 out of 10. Like, the book was really discolored for me by the romance. But on the other hand, like, I remembered how much I liked parts of it in the past, and there were some parts that were better than I remembered, like, how cool the dragons were. So... Animal friendship, honestly, once again, I have to say, there were not, there was not a whole bunch of, like, animal mind-to-mind speech, because all the god animals didn't talk to her mind-to-mind, so there weren't so many animals in this book, but the dragons were really cool, but I don't know if they really count, because they weren't really friends, so I'm going to say animal friendship is a disappointing, like, 7 out of 10 for this book. <laughs> 7? Yeah, come on. Disappointing 7. Yeah. I feel like there wasn't even that much animal screen time because everything that was, like, everything was a god or... But think about the duck mole. The god animals were That's god. a god. They were still, they, but they were still kind of animals, like the duck mole and, like, the skink, and she saved the baby nest of baby skinks. Yeah. The oh, cloud comes cute. back at the end, animals. They're yeah. still animals. She did save the chickens, even though she hated them. Yeah. And then all the gulls save her at the end from falling, so for some reason, Tamora Pierce likes gulls, even though she doesn't like chickens. Like, I feel like gulls are even more annoying than chickens. I don't know. So, still a 7 out of 10, but for me, that's really low. So, know that. That's my rating. Hi, I'm Amy. I didn't read these books before, so I can't rate them on nostalgia. So, I'm going to rate them on the number of sequential post-it notes that I left in this book that have just one word in all caps, usually no. Uh, So, that's a 6 out of 10. Um, and I would say for Animal Friendship, I would probably give it a 6 out of 10, maybe even a 5 out of 10, because less than 50% of this book is about animals. The Animal Friendship moments were good, but we have seen much better Animal Friendship moments in other series. It's true. And I cannot in good conscience, conscience give this above a 6. Like, I mean, you know more than I do about these books, and I'm not judging your rating. It's okay. I know you're not. <laughs> we'll get through this together (laughs) (laughs) um i would give these books okay nostalgia so as i've said before like i was not the biggest teen fan as a kid although i did like the books um and so i have some nostalgia for them but not enough to overcome any of how much i did not like reading them this time as like more of an adult so like a i'm like a negative four (laughs) i don't know (laughs) Like, it made me sad that I had read them in the past to reread them. (laughs) Um, Although this was, on the other hand, like, I don't know, this has been, I think this came through much clearer in the first part of this, us talking about this book. This is a good (laughs) book. It's fun to read. There's a lot of good parts. Like, part of the plot is kind of confusing, but, like, the mood is cool. The genre is cool. Um, So, like, I don't have nostalgia about it 
because I appreciate different things about it than what I did when I was a kid. And also, like, the parts that I remembered most vividly were parts <laughs> that I do not like now. So, negative four out of ten. Um, and then animal friendship. Okay, are Darkings animals? Because I was a big I don't fan. think they're animals. Um, then what are they? I think that they are, what? uh, well, <laughs> sure. Well. Well, yes. Lots of animals are I think that to blood. be an animal, you have, like, that's a different category from something that is animated by magic. Like, I think that the Darkings could even be something some akin to an artificial intelligence. Um, okay. Uh, then I'll give animal friendship six, AI friendship nine. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, no, that, yeah. Uh, okay. I guess, I guess that leaves me. Does. Um. Yes. Let's see. Uh, man, I, dang, I was harsh in, in my, my little notes for this section. Um, uh, for, for, uh, friendship, uh, I wrote, for animal friendship, sorry. I wrote, uh, two out of ten. <laughs> there were not enough animal friends in this book. I'm sorry. It's true. It's just. I am all the way yeah, with you, Gus. Like, I'm, I don't want to be mean, but there could be more. <laughs> Yeah, there, there, there could, could be, be so many more. Um, and I just feel like you know, like the cameos that we got of animals, like Cloud at the end and stuff, like that's basically a cameo. Yeah, it's it just it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like there were real like friendship moments with the animals, in the same yeah, way that we've yeah. seen before. Um, for nostalgia, um, man, Grace, I really agree with you. I mean, in terms of like just like it's a negative number. <laughs> I, I. I mean, part of that is just that just this this book isn't my favorite in terms of like plot and like there wasn't a lot that I loved in it, you know. What you know, just just in that like, there wasn't a lot that was that where I was like, yes, this is a good thing that I love. It was fine. Yeah, you know, some things accepted, but there weren't a lot of things that were like, oh man, this is just like real nostalgic for me. Loved the Darkings. Yeah, but it just just there wasn't much there to actually redeem it for me. Um, so. I, I I don't know. Like a negative one. Does anybody else want to recommend if anybody else has different audience recommendations? Non recommendations. I think you said good things about it. Yeah, like yeah. adults. Yeah. I do want <clears throat> Yeah, I do want to in finality just say like I did enjoy this book except for the parts that <laughs> I did not enjoy which yeah. we've discussed mm-hmm. earlier. But like I enjoyed these books partially because I hadn't read them before and it I can't really consider in the realm of the gods without considering the rest of the Dane books, which I yeah. enjoyed immensely. <laughs> um, but I do think that this book has the problems we discussed yeah. earlier. So I just want to give that context because I realize that my ratings are <laughs> fake. Um, okay. okay, then let us move into Palace Gossip. Um, we have listener mail this week. Our first one, Amy, I feel like you're particularly tickled by this one, so why don't you? Jeanne the Poet asked us on Tumblr, Wild theory about stormwing braids? The way oxpecker birds sit on rhinos and they help each other out? There are small birds who braid the stormwing's hair for them, Disney princess style. Love it. I love it. Let's talk. <laughs> Jeanne the Poet, thank you. Thank you. I think we've already expressed our gratitude on online several times. But thank you again. Yes. 
I just, this is like the most perfect thing you possibly could have told me because A, biology and animals and B, I'm so obsessed with Stormwings not having hands. So you really just like, this is the best thing anybody's ever said to me, maybe. Yeah, and Thank it you. brought back symbiotic relationships, yeah. which Numera taught I us know. about. I was so ready. Thank you, Numera. Uh, but now we know this is a mutualistic yeah. relationship. Yes, and this is why Ozorn's <laughs> hair is so bad. Because he can't have friends. Yeah, because he can't no, make friends no. with the small birds, and all of his friends that he made are too squiggly to <laughs> grab the hair and do it. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's a good thing. Anyway, thank you very much. We uh, mm-hmm. liked that a lot. Rikash is a Disney princess. Oh, oh his friends are so good. He has a lot of bird friends. Yes. Yeah, that's why he has the best hair, because he's the best at friends. Oh. <laughs> Let's do the next one. Um, the next one was from um, Fairy Tale on Fire, also on Tumblr, I believe, who said, I looked up Burry's clan name, the origin of Thea, and other names relating to the Khmer people, and they're all Tibetan and Burmese, areas oppressed by other nations. I started thinking of Syrian as being similar to Eastern Russia in terms of ethnic diversity. Thoughts? Thoughts. I like it. Yeah. It's hard because we obviously want to be able to, like, levy critiques about racial representation. And to do that, we have to be able, like, we often have to pin things to certain places based on the signaling that's done in the book. Um, But sometimes that can be tough. And so it's good to think of things like name origins and things like that to tell more about what we're supposed to be reading into it that we might not be able to just because of, like, what knowledge we separately have, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. So I like that idea as how to learn more about what's going on mm-hmm. in the book. Yeah, although we've also talked about how isn't the Khmeri... Like, we've discussed previously that the Khmeri culture seemed to also come from Cambodia in name only. Mm-hmm. So there is a confusing amalgam, but the fact that this is a... like thinking of it as an Eastern Russia ethnically diverse area definitely helps to conceptualize that and sort of solve that problem that we had working through it. But um, I mean, this is an unconfirmed, this is an unconfirmed theory, but I think it makes a lot of sense. I agree. So thanks for sending it in. Um, We have another listener mail from, uh, from Gus. Yeah. I'm totally a listener of this podcast. I listen to our podcast episodes, especially when I'm not on them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, sometimes i don't listen to the ones i'm on sorry folks uh but yeah i had a question it's really just more of a thing i wanted to bring up but i have a question which is they very briefly and in the middle of a lot of um other stuff so i almost missed it they very briefly bring up uh unicorn fever and i want to (laughs) know i have have a few theories about this one is unicorn fever is just like chicken pox like we name we name illnesses just after things that are entirely unrelated or that it has something to do with like myths that we know of unicorns where like it's specifically mentioned that dane has has had unicorn fever and maybe it has something to do with like being a young woman who knows Mm. i would kind of think that that was a little bit gross but you know whatever uh could be something like that the other thing is uh this book also had flesh-eating unicorns in it or like the previous yeah. one did. That's the other mention of unicorns that we've had. I want to know what the connection is. What is unicorn fever? Why are there flesh-eating unicorns? Why are these things only brought up in passing? I love it. It's 
I know someone who had unicorn fever once. It's me when I was sick. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like disco fever. <laughs> Dane, maybe, yeah. Dane, maybe Dane saw her first unicorn and she was like, this is so beautiful. So much that she like didn't notice anything happening around her. She was just yeah. out of it. She was like, man. She's just like, don't talk to me about anything else for a month. Like, she would. <laughs> I saw another cool animal friend. I'm gonna befriend it. It's like a horse, but the sequel to horses, and I'm gonna find it. It's meat, and that's cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, horses, kind of messed up, depending on what your opinions about horses, which may vary. Unicorns have a big horn on them that can be used for violence. And then unicorns are also eat flesh. So that's like two steps beyond messed up horseness. And they can apparently have a fever named after <laughs> them that is seems serious. So when I, I think the flesh and the unicorns actually were touched upon. Like, I think Dane says after she learns that, like, immortals are created in dreams, like... I think she says something along the lines of, like, oh, I could easily see how, like, something good could go bad. Mm-hmm. That's how there became evil censures and flesh-eating unicorns. So I think she does reference mm-hmm. that. Um, but I have no idea what unicorn fever is. <laughs> um, maybe, like, mad cow disease? Like, maybe Dane ate some unicorn. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, it is time to wrap up um, housekeeping. Um, you, if you guys have listener mail, questions, discussion stuff for us, um, you can find us on Twitter at Tortle Recall. You can find us on Tumblr, where Turtle Recall. Our website is www.turtlerecall.com, and our email is turtlerecall at gmail.com. Um, if you have a moment and the inclination, we would love it if you would rate and review us on iTunes. Um, we have a Patreon now. It's patreon.com slash recall. Thank you so much to everyone who's donating. And if you wanted to donate some money, we have some bonus episodes up there as well as some like writing content. And we're going to have more weird stuff on there in the future as well as one bonus episode each month. But I mean, it just is to keep it, make it so that we don't have additional costs from running this. So thank you. Like, yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, we'd like to thank our music, which is Green Sleeves by Zeta. Um, we'd like to thank uh, some folks who social mediaed with us this week or viewed us. Um, and we'd like to thank the following people on Twitter Blackness Dyer, More Research, Catherine Unzer, Deidre Loves Jim, Indigo Han, Amy M. Giac, Writer St. McGee, Ziggy T. Schultz, Non Binosaur, The Gay Option, Writing Rissa, Queen Blurbarb, and Marble Troughs. Why do we include <laughs> ourselves in our lists? Because I need those promos. Uh, we'd like to thank uh, Deidre, who reviewed us on Stitcher. and First Lux- Stitcher review. Lux Auguste, Baby Truther, and Erin Kylie, um, who reviewed us on iTunes. We'd also like to thank people um, who donated, us to on pa- donated to us on Patreon as of June 8th. Um, and they are Joe, Abigail, Vague Dark Entity, Ethan, Lemons, Math, Emmy, Isabel, Catherine, Abigail L, Courtney, and Sophie. Um, and if you are a patron who wasn't just shouted out and you would like to get shouted out, um, we have a thread on our Patreon about this, so just comment your name on that. We just didn't want to shout out people's names without asking first. Um, and I think... We want to talk a little bit about what's coming up for Tortal Recall. Uh, so we are 
Uh, just finishing up the Dane series now, as you know, because you just listened to the last episode on it. Um, and so we've done some discussion like amongst ourselves, and we are looking at the idea of doing a Dane wrap-up episode like we did for Alana, um, but we are not sure uh, yet what that would look like because we've all been on the Dane episodes, which was not the case for Alana. Uh, so if you're interested in that, please send in any questions that you have uh, via our various social medias, and uh, we will likely do either a bonus episode or a Twitter Q&A. Um, and uh, as well, we are looking at taking the month of September off, uh, so you likely won't see a lot of new content from us then, but you can keep up with us via social media. Uh, we do have a bonus episode coming up in August as well, right? Mm -hmm. Or September. Uh, in August as well, and various other things going on. Like I said, social media is a great way to keep up with that. Uh, and last time we technically took time off, we did put out a lot of bonus episodes. We want to be clear that that's not the plan this time. Um, but if you're hungry for more Total Recall, we have a lot of bonus episodes on Patreon, and those will be ongoing as well. Um, I just want to be very transparent about the reason why that we are, why we are taking time off is this podcast has as like we really love having your interaction. We are so happy that people are listening to this and enjoying it, and that's really exciting for us. But as we have gotten more interaction, this has become more work for us. For example, with Patreon episodes, that means none of us have a month off anymore, and it's just it's very important to us that we make sure that this still remains something that we do as friends and enjoy um so that means scheduling time for ourselves where we can relax and not worry too much about this becoming something stressful we're so happy that you guys are enjoying it um but we just need a little bit of time yeah to recuperate and then come back at you with more awesome yeah total recall i would also say like because we've gotten so much back from you guys, that's inspired us to put so much more into the project than we originally planned, uh, which is wonderful because uh, it's great. Um, and it's a project that we love. Um, and there are so many Tamara Pierce books that we've got to keep our stamina up. So that's a concern <laughs> for us. Uh, Alana would take a short rest between bouts. So I guess I'll sign us off and I'll just do a little... I want to do a bye Dane song, but I don't even have a song because I'm just sad. You can do the opposite of the Dragon Tail song. Well, goodbye, Dane. <laughs> goodbye, Dane. I'll really miss your cool animal friends. Goodbye, Dane. I know you're in the cow books, but you're not around for long enough for me. I'll miss you. Bye, Dane. I love you. Animals are great. <laughs> well, with that, um, this will be in the Dane books. And hope you enjoyed. See you later, Tortle Lady. <laughs> we can't hit each other with our heads while we record. <laughs>